Hi, this is Ed Nichols, superintendent of Madison City Schools, and you are at the Madison City Schools podcast, better known as Sitting with the Soup. Uh, this is a podcast created by Madison City Schools to help let our listeners know a little more in-depth detail about programs and other opportunities for students in the Madison City School District. Today, I'm so excited that we have three of our staff members here, and we're going to talk about our EL students, our EL summer camp, and uh, kind of talk about that. We have with us Caitlin Herman, who is our uh, uh, federal program specialist, um, and we have Micah York uh, from Liberty Middle School that works with our EL summer camp, and then we have Jesse Mays, our EL teacher from Heritage Elementary. And so thank you all for being here. I am going to ask uh, Caitlin if you'll take just a second and kind of tell folks who you are and your journey to being where you are today. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm here as the Federal Program Specialist, uh, basically supporting our 20 EL teachers and our uh, 670 active EL students and many more across the district. Uh, I started out in English Language Arts at James Clemens High School. Uh, with a passion for our EL students, and so slowly I found my way here at Central Office to help support our teachers. Okay, great. And Micah? Yeah, I uh, started uh, my internship here at Liberty Middle School uh, back in 2017. I was uh, fortunate enough to be hired on at Liberty. I teach uh, sixth grade social studies. Uh, over the past several years, uh, I've just had a real passion teaching our uh, numerous EL students that come through. While I was earning my degree, I was teaching English online as well. Um, working with our administration, that we started a EL summer camp for secondary, uh, and they suggested that I should uh, look into it and try it out, and I've been doing it ever since. Great. And Jesse? Well, um, I am in my fifth year teaching EL students at Heritage, but before that, I was an elementary school teacher in Virginia, so I'm a transplant. Um, I kind of lucked into this job, but you guys know Casey McKay. She um, happened to see my resume and recommended that this position would be kind of right up my alley, and I'd worked with ELs for many years, um, and it's really been the best job possible. I'm never leaving. Oh, well, great. Uh, Caitlin, talk a little bit about what, what parents that don't have an EL student may not really understand about EL, the EL program, how many students we have, testing, those types of things that, uh, that a student comes to us and is in the program. The diversity of our district is just continuously growing. Um, as I mentioned, we have over 670 active EL students, and that means EL students who have just come to the country or have only been here for a short amount of time and are newly acquiring the English language. Um, they've come from over 66 countries and we speak over 59 different languages, which for a district this size is really quite impressive and quite the task for our teachers. Uh, we have been incredibly lucky to have the support of our district um, to serve these students uh, with, you know, with teachers, but also just platforms that are meant to um, give them that, that English language acquisition that they so desperately need, uh, while also being supported in their content classrooms um, at the elementary and secondary level. So typically when they get here, they are screened by one of our contract people, Tamara Johnson, who is absolutely amazing. Um, she's that first person that our EL families see and talk to, and she just does such a great job of making them feel welcome. Um, she gives them a screener test that lets us know where they fall in their speaking, reading, listening, and writing. 
Um, and those scores kind of tell us a lot more about the students and what they need academically. And then from there, I mean, she hands our EL teachers this little yellow folder and they're off to the races giving these students exactly what they need um, instructionally and all for or in the hopes that uh, in the access test window which runs typically from January to March that these students will test out of the EL program um, they need a 4.7 composite score to be able to do that uh, and it's it's difficult our elementary kids uh, grow just so astronomically Jesse okay so I'm so, so sorry I did so say 4.7 we'll give you credit for that Thank you. Um, so you know 59 languages some of those are dialects they're not all languages and um, needless to say that Jesse over here at Heritage does not speak 59 languages or dialects, right? Uh, and we do not have people who cover all 59 languages and dialects. So a student enrolls, um, they're assessed at their level of English proficiency, and then they go to someone like Jesse, who then uh, helps to coordinate the services for them so that somewhere in time, they test out of uh, the need for EL services. Talk about that a little bit, Jesse. Yes. So once we get that yellow folder, our timelines start, and um, we get to work contacting the parents, making sure that they know what services and programs are available to them. We set up our IELP meeting, so we meet with every family every year um, to make sure that they know what supports we're going to provide for their student in the classroom and their, um, that their general education teacher will provide in the classroom. And then also what pull-out or push-in services they may receive from the EL specialists. Um, Heritage is lucky enough this year to have two full-time teachers, so we have been able to provide both pull-out and push-in services. Um, so what would you do on a pull-out service? A pull-out service, uh, right now they're about 30 minutes each. So we take small groups of students who are working on similar goals, and we kind of craft our lessons usually around theme, um, and we try to kind of spiral in the vocabulary, um, and the standards that they've already covered within their grade level or might be coming up soon to kind of give them a preview so that they're feeling really confident and prepared and willing to take risks. One of the big things about our EL groups and the benefit of running those small group pullouts is that it gives these students a um, much more comfortable environment to really experiment with language. And we try to make it fun and engaging so that when they come in, it's an exciting opportunity for them um, and that they know that it's a safe place. So they come in and we, we usually um, introduce our vocabulary. We'll provide that with a picture before we get started. There's usually an anchor text for us to move through. Um, and then we try to make uh, hands-on activities to keep them engaged. So there's a timeline. And Absolutely. students need to exit from EL services according to this timeline. So there is a designation by the state um, of a long-term EL, which is, I believe, over seven years. Um, most of the time, our students are out well before that. Okay. Um, when that does happen, we kind of discuss as a department, you know, where are we with these students? What can we do to help push them um, past that barrier? What additional support can we give them because there's something holding them back? And we, um, we really work hard to make sure that those students are being supported and can get out with well within that time. And, and Caitlin, we have students who come K-12. They're not all walking in the door of kindergarten. Thereby, they're all learning the language acquisitions of verbs and subjects yes, with their peers, mm -hmm. which would be easier. Some of them are walking in the door in the 10th grade or middle school. Mm -hmm. 
right, Micah? And, yes. and they're trying to do mathematical language, social studies language, science language, academic language, and at the same time, learn the English language. Yes. That would be like dropping me in Germany and letting me go to work and trying to give me a 30-minute pullout every day yes. to, to get me proficient in the German language. I would hate to think how that would work out. I would, but, um, but that's kind of what we're talking about. And, and some of these students, I would thank you all, correct me, the older they are, if they're in a dialect, it is far more challenging because they have not had sentence structures, subject, verb, all of that in a language before. You know. Well, I think there is a lot of differences from language to language. So dialect or just language difference, mm -hmm. you're going to find a different setup of subject verb agreement. So you kind of, as a teacher, have to do your research. You have to figure out where are they coming from, what mistakes might you expect to see from them, and how can you recast that? How can you explain to them how it works in English and teach them to use their L1 as a strength? Because really that multilingualism is more of a superpower we have to stop viewing it in a deficit That's right. Um, and say, like, you already have this base. Now, how can we use it to help you gain the English versus saying we have to reteach everything? Sure. That's, and so, Jesse, you're the person that supports the general ed teacher and the student by pulling out or pushing in services yes, sir. for those. Um, Micah, you're in the classroom. Yes. You're not an EL teacher. No. You are the general ed teacher in sixth grade social studies, trying to serve those students inside that class as they learn the academic language. That's great. Tell me about that. Uh, it can definitely be challenging uh, as a general education teacher. Uh, you know, with, with our schools, we have a very diverse group that we teach. With and Each student has a, a specific need that they have. Uh, I know in some of my classes, I could have up to two or three or four different EL students each one of those EL students are at different levels. I can tell you right now, in one of my classes, I have a newcomer straight, uh, straight into the country, uh, has zero English abilities, uh, all the way to an EL student who's about ready to exit the program. And so as a general education teacher, I have to take my lesson and then think about the, the language needs of these students and then modify that so that language isn't a barrier to learning. One of the things that uh, a lot of people look at like, oh, I've got EL students in my classroom. They almost see it, like, like you said, as a deficit or as something to overcome. But I found, especially within social studies, it is such an asset to have all these students from all over the world in my classroom. Uh, I teach U.S. history, and so we are talking about different subjects from all over the world, and I have the opportunity to talk about subjects from the perspective of people who are in the country. Uh, you know, we talk about Vietnam. Uh, places in Japan. All these students have been in my classroom and are able to give a unique experience to all of our students and different perspective that in other places they might not give. And, and so now, Caitlin, let's, let's add on one layer. As these students come to us, they also get the joy of uh, taking the state ACAP test <laughs> or the ACT. Uh, um, are, are there any delays in that, or, or they show up in February and they take it in March? How does that work out? They are held to the same standards as a lot of our native English speakers um, in terms of expectation. 
there are a few rules here and there in terms of newcomers coming right at a certain testing window where they might be allowed maybe a year. But research points to the fact that students need five to seven years to acquire the English proficiency necessary for some of these tests or content areas um, to be considered proficient. Um, and so I might think that I might need 10 or 12 years, uh, but I'll just leave it at that. I don't think there's an, um, what is it they try to sell me on the, on the radio all the time, the Rosetta Stone. There's not enough Rosetta Stone for me to figure that out in that short amount of time. The, the Madison City teachers are just so wonderful about supporting these students and their needs, and not only are they working hard to acquire that academic language, but they're also working so hard with them on how to acquire social language and cultural skills that they might not be aware of, and, and I think those are just as necessary as, as some of that academic language that they're, they're getting in their classrooms. Well, we want to make sure we, that folks understand also not only are the services that are being provided, but we also run some summer camps. and. Uh, and I know Micah works with the summer camp, and we started with an elementary summer camp, and then a few years ago we expanded to have a, a secondary. So, Micah, talk a little bit about what, what goes on in that summer camp. So I'm involved with the secondary summer camp. Um, the elementary one has been going on for several years and uh, was just had a lot of success. Uh, they have over 100 students that participate every summer in that program. Um, we in the secondary field started to to look at that and model and like how can we bring that from kids from 6th to 12th grade. Uh, our camp is a little smaller. Uh, we have around 40 to 45 students that participate every summer and we've been going on for about uh, three years now. And the whole goal of the summer camp is to uh, kind of a couple aspects. First of all, newcomers into the United States. Uh, we want to uh, get them prepared to going to school. Uh, some some kids that come into school they might not have had any formal education mm -hmm. before from, depending on what country they came from so going into a school system especially one as large as ours could be a very daunting task uh, so getting them into um, a school getting them used to interacting with teachers and students kind of going over different routines uh, the other goal is to help um, with language acquisition both academic and social language um, like you mentioned earlier, that academic language is such a key component. Um, I mean, we can be in a classroom and a science teacher can say, hey, look at this table over here and read this chart. All right, put their phone on your table. Hey, let's table this conversation for a minute. There's three different uses for one word in our language. And so to help EL students navigate that academic mm -hmm. language versus social language, uh, we also have students that are in our program uh, maybe be in, in for a year and we want to just make sure that um, they don't have any slide back with English language. They might not speak English mm. at home full time and so to be able to come into a summer camp and uh, continue with that language it's you know it's the old saying if, if you don't use it you're going to lose it and so we want to make sure with that. So we do all of this with social academic language uh, helping them with just being comfortable in our school system, but we also try to do that in a fun summer experience. It's not like going into a classroom and, and learning all day. We, we try to make it extremely engaging. We try to make it where they're having fun uh, doing it, and we also try to help build a sense of community. Again, we have students coming from all over uh, the world, and um, so we try to do our best to get community involvement. 
we have uh, teamed up with Madison City Police Department, uh, Fire and Rescue. Uh, we've teamed up with local businesses where we've actually taken them to um, a local restaurant and got to go in there and see how things go and meet people. So building a sense of community when you're far away from home is also very important too. Well, just you, you were so right, um, Micah, and you were right on target. Uh, there were 112 elementary students last year at the summer camp and 44, you said 40 to 45, pretty good, Micah, and uh, 14 different languages. There were 18, uh, 22 teachers. Uh, they got 80 hours of math and reading instruction, but they also got 32 hours of enrichments, which also included swimming lessons and STEM activities. Uh, and we'll run that this summer. Registration has been open since March 22nd and will close on April the 6th. Uh, there's flyers out across the district, and the camps will begin June the 5th through June the 29th. And these are funded by some federal funds that we get, uh, local funds. We've been able to use some of our federal ESSER funds, and then grants. So uh, we certainly are appreciative of the funds that we get. And, um, and, and one thing I think that, that is so important to understand, sometimes, maybe a bulk um, of our families, uh, speak English, the parents do, uh, and that so when the students go home, uh, they're getting to use their language. Um, that, that is an asset, but in some cases that's not the case. And so uh, the work that gets done in school then is magnified uh, to get students uh, into um, understanding the English language. Well, listen, you all have really given us a lot of information. Um, you know, one of the great things that makes Madison City Schools unique is our diversity, that we have this, this global community, and because of that, we have a global student body, and that we are able to meet their needs as they come in. Uh, we also know that there are outside agencies that support students and families. There are churches and there are other organizations that have Saturday schools for language. So, you know, it's a community uh, engagement to assist our students uh, to meet that. So listen, Caitlin and Micah and Jesse, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. As always, John Peck is here. He'll take a picture and post us out. And then R&R, we have Russell and Rachel here, and uh, they're always the brains behind the superintendent anyway to keep things going. Uh, I will give them a shout out. Just a few weeks ago, Russell and Rachel gave a presentation to the Alabama Superintendents Conference on Technology Integration and Teaching, and they did a fantastic job. So very proud of them. They not they do a lot more than just make the superintendent get a podcast, and uh, but he enjoys that. He learns so much from these opportunities. I hope you do. That is our goal with sitting with the soup, and that's what you've been doing today. Have a great day. This is Madison City School Superintendent Ed Nichols.